You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. When Bailey Moody was 10 years old, she was diagnosed with osteosarcoma and underwent an amputation of her leg. Within just two months of completing chemotherapy, she was back on the basketball court. In 2014, Bailey started playing wheelchair basketball with Blaze Sports, a Move United member organization based in Georgia. She has been a member of the women's national basketball team since 2018, winning a bronze medal at the Tokyo Paralympics. Bailey also plays on the University of Alabama women's wheelchair basketball team, which has happened to win three straight collegiate championships. Let's chat with her. Bailey, I thought we would just start by talking about how sports uh, kind of got started in your life. Uh, I understand you played basketball before your cancer diagnosis. Is that correct? That's true. Yes. Basketball. And I I played basically every sport other, under the sun at some point. Basketball was always the the first love that I that I kept coming back to. And and so when at the age of 10, when you uh, got diagnosed with um, uh, osteosarcoma, how did you think that that was going to impact your ability to play sports? I I wasn't sure. I really didn't know. I I my first question I asked my parents when I was diagnosed was, will I ever play basketball again? That was that was the thing that I was concerned about. Um we didn't know what that was going to look like. We, my mom, I remember her telling me, "Let's just focus on fighting this cancer first, and then we'll we'll worry about basketball after that." Um, but kind of my driving force behind everything was that I wanted to get back to playing basketball again, whatever that took. And so that definitely was a motivator for me um, throughout my entire cancer journey, for sure. So that was like the fire in the belly type of scenario, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And um, tell me about, you know, your amputation, because I had I know you had a unique um, process that took place. So I actually I think a lot of people don't understand that I chose to amputate my leg um, in some form or fashion. The way that they they treat childhood cancer, um, specifically osteosarcoma, which is the bone cancer that I had mm-hmm. in my knee is they have to have some sort of surgical removal of the tumor. So I I did have to have surgery for them to take the tumor out. I just had a few choices on what that was going to look like for me. Um, and I ultimately ended up deciding on a rare form of amputation called a rotation plasty, uh, which is where they basically take the knee out of the leg and they rotate the, the bottom portion of the leg, including the foot 180 degrees and attach it at the thigh. As my form of surgery because it was going to give me the the most active lifestyle. And so going back to my motivating force being kind of, how do I get back to sports again? How do I play basketball again? Me choosing to have this form of amputation on my leg was was easy for me because it would allow me to play sports and, and have an active life again. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of folks that I've talked to and interviewed, uh, you know, amputation is a choice. 
um, and a decision, and it's a quality of life decision, as you said, right? It, you wanted to be able to uh, be able to do things, you know, that you wanted to do, and so that was a, a quality of life decision. And that doesn't make it any less hard to cut your leg off at all, but in the same sense, it's kind of choosing choosing your lifestyle um, and what you want to do, and making that hard decision for then for then what you're looking for and what your goals are in the future as well. So since basketball was a driving force, um, how quickly did you get back out on a court? I had my amputation June of 2012 when I was in between the fourth and fifth grade. And then I was playing a rec league basketball, uh, kind of just sort of walking the ball up and down the court as the point guard by December of that year. So what is that about six months? Mm -hmm. I wasn't really quite running yet, but I was doing enough to where I was kind of getting antsy and ready to start kind of getting back. Cause the, the, the best way to really make strides is to jump right back in there. And it was, it was a lot of physical therapy to get me to that point. I was working really, really hard in, in those aspects and doing all of those exercises and really pushing myself to, to make strides and get back. But it, it, it started to happen quickly after we finally, I finished chemo. And then once I finished chemo, it was hard PT until I was able to start getting back on the basketball court again. Yeah. But six months is an awesome turnaround. <laughs> it didn't take long to get you. I finished chemo at the end of October of that year. So I was really not even two months done with chemo and I was starting to get to play sports again, which is amazing. And during your rehab, were you introduced to adaptive sports at that time? Not yet. So I, when I was playing basketball, the first year or so that I was back, adaptive sports weren't really on my radar. I really was just kind of focusing on trying to play for my middle school team. So I played basketball through middle school just with the team that that was at my middle school I also started playing volleyball I played volleyball all the way through middle school and even my freshman year of high school with my high school I also was playing tennis at the time so I was doing a lot of stand-up able-bodied sports and I was keeping up fine until I got to kind of my seventh grade season I was I was I was keeping up fine, but I was starting to get frustrated because I was working so hard to get to the other end of the court and then having to turn around and come all the way back. And somebody with one leg is just not going to be as fast as somebody with two legs. And so it was starting to just get completely exhausting for me. And it was doable, but adapted athletics has kind of brought in this even playing field for me. My parents discovered it after they tracked down this gold medalist sitting volleyball player that had the same amputation that I did. And they kind of picked her brain on, on what her transition, she played stand up volleyball in college. So what her transition was like going to the Paralympics and, and sitting down instead of standing up. And I was willing to give it a try. And as soon as I got in the, the chair, I just, I, my eyes were opened and I really just, I never turned back and the opportunities that open up in participating in adapted athletics and in the Paralympics to travel the world are opportunities that I wouldn't have been able to have if I had continued playing standing up. Yeah. And so were you, um, because you were ambulatory, were you using a chair at all uh, in like everyday life or everyday use or, or was the chair kind of like the sports tool for you? 
The chair has always been the sports tool for me. I don't use a chair every day. I just, I have a prosthetic on my, on my right side. And so that's kind of how I get around. So jumping in the chair, that was the biggest learning curve because a lot of wheelchair basketball and able-bodied basketball are very similar, if not the Mm -hmm. same. So learning how to navigate the chair and control the chair was, was the biggest kind of transition to that sport. Yeah, because I was going to mention that, that that the sport is pretty much the same uh, with the exception of a couple rules around dribbling and, you know, little minor things like that. But otherwise, it's the same sport of basketball, other than the fact that you have to learn how to maneuver a chair. <laughs> For sure, which is a big thing to try and learn to do, especially if you've never done it before. But once you get that, it kind of all flows from there. And so what was it about that, that kind of differentiation with the sport that really caught your uh, excitement and your enthusiasm. It was it was an even playing field. It was a way for for me to participate and not feel like all I was trying to do was try and keep up. It was a way for me to kind of find that love for for the part of basketball that I loved again, um, and to also just so quickly after I started wheelchair basketball, the opportunities for national team stuff came in, the opportunities for college came in. And so there was just always something exciting about the sport to look forward to and to train for and to just the future opened up so wide and just the the idea of all of these different opportunities that it was it was so exciting to me. And which uh, program or uh, local team did you start with before all the national stuff uh, came came your way? I started with I started wheelchair basketball in seventh grade with Blaze Sports, which is yeah. we were the Atlanta Junior Wheelchair Hawks at the time under Blaze Sports, the nonprofit that does a lot of different adapted athletics. And so that's kind of that's the team that I played for from seventh grade all the way through high school. And then I started playing at Alabama after that, but they they got got me started and kind of fueled that fire and that love for wheelchair basketball. And how was that team at that time? Because I know there's a you know some uh, you know programs kind of ebb and flows a little bit from time to time in terms of having some good teams and and some teams that you know maybe not <laughs> not at, not at the same level. But uh, how was the Blaze Sports team when you were playing with them? We were we were we were fairly decent. Um, my freshman or my freshman year, my seventh grade year when I was playing on the prep team, which is the team for the younger kids, we did win a national championship that year, which is my very first year playing wheelchair basketball. So it was super exciting to, to kind of start off strong like that. We were always kind of a driving force. We didn't win another national championship after that, but we were, we were in several national championship games after that. And so you know, we were, we were up there competing with, with the best teams in the country. So that was also something that was super exciting and super competitive as well. And so I imagine just right by you playing on that team is when you first caught the attention uh, to be invited to the development camp, right. For the national team. So I ended up, I think my dad found the development camp and kind of nudged me in the direction of, Hey, maybe this would be a good idea. You don't have to, if you're at all, because I had already expressed some interest in doing Paralympics, I had watched the Rio gold medal game. I was very into it. I wanted to do it. So he found the development camp. He was like, this might be a good way to start. And so I ended up going to the development camp and just kind of trying to get my foot in the door a little bit and get my feet wet and get to know the coach and, and just start to see what national team basketball would look like. And the coach ended up inviting me to tryouts in January, which I had not expected. And I thought, you know, 
he's just trying to, again, get my feet wet, allow me to kind of see the competition that I'm up against, see Mm -hmm. kind of the level of play. And I ended up making the team that year. So everything kind of snowballed really quickly, but it started with that development camp that then got me an invite to tryouts. Yeah, so I think anybody that's listening, that those development camps are great opportunities for like some some of the same reasons that you just mentioned in terms of just seeing how you stack up, if nothing else. But uh, that's awesome. So you've been a part of the national team since 2018. And yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And we'll talk about Tokyo, obviously, in a little bit. But um, before Tokyo, um, what are some of the, as you mentioned, some of the opportunities that you had to travel and some of the places that you, you've, got, you've been to, a, able to visit? and compete since, since being part of the national team? I've been, I think I've played wheelchair basketball on five continents. I've played Mm. in Europe, various places, played uh, in Australia, in Asia, in South America, and then in the U S. So I've played all over the world. I think my favorite trip, my favorite trip as a whole was when we went to Thailand for the U 25 world championships Mm. at overall, that was just, it was so fun. And I think my favorite place that I've ever been was our trip to Europe when we went to Amsterdam, to Amsterdam, um, in, in, in the Netherlands as a, as a country and then to Germany right after that. So that was just, that was, it was, those are two beautiful countries, but it's definitely one of the best parts of the gig is getting to travel the world like that. Absolutely. Well, what a great way to, be able to not only play the sport that you love but see the world too so um so let's talk a little bit about about tokyo obviously tokyo was delayed it was you know 2020 paralympics uh obviously ended up being in 2021 but uh, how was your first paralympics like it was interesting because it was covid so i didn't know anything different i didn't have any expectations going into it i was just excited to kind of take it all in and be present and be there and I think just in general with the masks and the no fans and the plexiglass and the dining halls and things like that, that were kind of keeping us from having that full Paralympic experience. I think, I think the no fans thing was, was the biggest, biggest change. However, I didn't know any differently. It was, it was overall just an incredible experience and something that I kind of went in with, with an open mind and open hands and just kind of took it all in as I went. Yeah, sport, you know, some sports you might be able to do solo uh, without an audience or spectators, but a lot of sports require both the the spectator as well as the participant, right? As well as the athletes. It's a relationship. And so that was just a unique uh, experience to not have, you know, a big audience in the in the stands, uh, you know, cheering or, or booing or whatever, you know, audience members do sometimes, right? Um, so hopefully that your next experience at the Paralympic Games will be a little bit different. And so where did where did choosing University of Alabama come into play? I had known that I basically since I started wheelchair basketball, I knew that I wanted to go play in college somewhere. And so then it came down to kind of where is that going to be? And so mm-hmm. I started my junior year. I started the recruitment process, started looking at all these different schools. Alabama was an interesting one and they know this too just because I grew up an Auburn fan and so I was very much I won't go to Alabama I'll never go to Alabama you can't make me go to Alabama but once I once I went on my visit there I kind of fell in love with the school and with the environment and it's close to home it's three and a half hours from home and it's 
it's an SEC school, which is something I'm very comfortable with. Even and and I'm I'm basically converted Roll Tide all the way. Not an Auburn <laughs> fan anymore. My mom still struggles a little bit, but she's she's Roll Tide wheelchair basketball is what she says. Um, but it's I love Alabama. It was the best decision for me for sure. And for um, you know young athletes that are in that space, how did you make that decision? Besides, obviously, uh, uh, the fact that it was in the SEC and close by. Um, you know, because there's some other colleges coming online now with more and more adaptive sports opportunities. And so, you know, what other things that factored into the equation to for you to make that decision? For sure. So obviously, Alabama's program is very dominant in in the wheelchair basketball just kind of world. We have the best facilities. We have the best of of the best in what what they were able to offer me and what we can offer athletes. Uh, I am a very well-rounded person in general, just in the fact that I was looking for a lot of other things besides just basketball. I was looking for academics. I was looking for campus culture and student life as well. I was looking for just, I was looking at a lot of different variables and Alabama seemed to be the only one that could check all of the boxes for me. Mm. And, 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 offer me all of the resources in order to kind of allow me to excel as the athlete that I can be, but also allow me to excel as a student and also just have a social life and have, have a home at Alabama as well. So it was a lot of different factors. Basketball was a heavy one, but there were other things too. I was hoping you would, you would address some of those like, like academics <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, academic or the culture, the, the campus culture. So that's I'm glad that you mentioned those. And um, you're a junior now. What are you studying? I'm a psychology major right now. Currently on the sports psych track, sort of that's okay. the goal is to do some sort of mental health coaching or sports psychology or something like that. Planning on getting my master's at Alabama as well because of COVID and how things kind of nicely worked out. I still have three more years of eligibility counting next year. So that would be me finishing my undergrad and then me getting a two-year master's program. So that's the plan as of right now. That's nice. That's awesome to have. Yeah, exactly. To have that benefit of the extra year of eligibility there. <laughs> COVID year, yeah. It turned out being very nice as far as uh, how much of my degree I could accomplish. And and uh, speaking of academics, you're an academic All-American too. So you take studies seriously, right? I do. I've always been one to kind of, I'm such a nerd for saying this, but kind of enjoy school. I love to learn. And it's kind of nice going to college and getting to choose what you want to learn about, especially in your junior and senior years. And so, yeah, I mean, I enjoy school. It's it's a big part of me. It's, it's yeah, it's always been something that I've kind of enjoyed secretly. And so, um, obviously, sports and academics is all all important. Um, you're, um, I know that the national the women's team is is in, heading to, to Dubai uh, for a competition. So um, this will air when you're when you're actually there. So what are you? Uh, before, since you're not there yet, what are you? Um, uh, what are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to? The the goal is is to medal in Dubai. We'd love for gold in Dubai. I think the the goal for everybody is always for gold in any tournament that you go to. I think that's kind of a given. We we have a very strong team this year. I'm really excited to see kind of how we all click together and play together. I think we had some friendlies uh, last week, I think it was, and 
performed very strongly there as a team and and did very well against Canada and Australia. So it, it's looking looking up for us. I think I think we'll go in and be a dominant force as long as we continue to do what we need to be doing. I'm excited to get to travel to another country and it's another step in in the process for Paris. And so it's important that we do, do well at worlds in order to eventually qualify for Paris. But there's a lot of, a lot of work that needs to get done, but I'm also very excited to, to get to travel again and, and be with my teammates. So this competition is not an automatic qualifier then, right? It's not, it doesn't help seed for Paralympics in 24. The the main qualifier would be Parapan American Games, which are in November in Chile. Okay. However, I don't I'm not familiar with exactly how it needs to be done. It's a little bit different because Paris, they're only allowing eight teams in this year uh for wheelchair basketball. So it's it's a little more complicated. There's not as many spots. Ooh, so that's we, interesting. Need to, uh, <laughs> we need to go in and do we need to go do what we have been training to do and right go play basketball and see what happens. Right. Cause I know for some of your teammates that were also uh, on 2020's team and maybe even 2016, obviously the bronze wasn't what everyone had hoped. Um, so I assume that the team is working and hoping to do better than bronze in, in Paris. We were, we were just so young when we went to Tokyo, we had so many people that had never been to a Paralympics, including myself. And mm-hmm. we were just young athletes so many people that really weren't even deep into their collegiate careers. And so this team now being older and a lot of the same people, I think things things are only looking up. I think bronze for that team was incredible. I We were very proud of our bronze. We were very proud of our how we played in Tokyo. And it, it only mm-hmm. it only is provides for improvement in the future. So I'm excited to see what's next. And I think those that watched, there were some great games that, that, that were fun to watch too. So, <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, yes, absolutely. And so, obviously, next year's a, a big year for you uh, with the Paris coming up, um, uh, and uh, in 2024. But then, then you'll be a senior at University of Alabama, and um, at least graduating with your under undergraduate degree. But uh, are you looking at a four peat at the college championship level as well? <laughs> hopefully i mean somebody was saying something to me today about they were like talking about a different coach in a different sport and it's not even but it kind of applied a little bit they they were like you can't win all the time and i was like no but it's fun to win all the time like (laughs) it's not fun to lose um that's the goal. The goal is to. Yeah, it to is fun to win all the time, right? There's a lot of really strong teams out there, so the goal is to to go play our basketball and to to work hard and train together. But obviously, another national championship would be fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that you've already had three national uh, college <laughs> championships fun. under your belt, you know, why not add four? <laughs> <laughs> that is a plus. Yes. And so obviously besides sports and academics, um, you have a life outside of that. I understand you like concerts and Broadway shows. I enjoy, I enjoy music a lot. I play guitar and piano. I was a theater kid in high school and middle school. And so I enjoy other things besides sports as well. Yes. And I also really enjoyed reading and doing puzzles and then spending time with my friends as well. So 
it's 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 a lot of basketball but outside of basketball there's also other things too <laughs> well and and so you know and i don't find a lot of people that kind of work both sides of the brain if you will the sports side and the art side i happen to be also one of those that grew up playing sports and grew up also in musical and music <laughs> musical stuff and theater mostly musical stuff but some theater as well so you know it's neat to find somebody else that has that you know can, can work both sides of the brain but what's your favorite broadway show I really love Waitress. Mm. I also really love, I think The Lion King is a classic. I have seen it a few times, not on Broadway, but in the traveling show. Yeah. I don't know. I just love, I love the experience that you have when you're watching a show like that and the music. And I participated in, I was in Mary Poppins in high school, which was really fun. I was in, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas in middle school as Lucy, which was really fun. So it has a special place in my heart for sure. <laughs> yeah. The ones that you're involved in, obviously you always have a, <laughs> have a special place. Awesome. Well, uh, anything else you want to share? Just to, to keep an eye out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of tournaments happening with USA this year. There's a, there's Dubai obviously, which I'll be at when this episode airs. There's also in just an under 25 world championship. There's a lot of just different opportunities and in, in travels and qualifying for Paris and all of these things that USA will, will be looking to do. So in, in men's in the men's team too, like just following, following USA, you can follow my journeys and on Instagram. I'm at the real Bailey Moody. If you want to want to take a look, but I'll try and keep everybody as updated from there as possible. For, sounds, for Dubai, especially. That that sounds awesome. And so, my last question I was I, I wrap up with is, if 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 you know what you know now, what advice would you give the ten year old Bailey Moody when you were experiencing, you know, the the, the cancer uh, and the medical decisions that you that you had to make and your family had to make? What what advice would you give that ten year old Bailey Moody now? I always tell people that I would tell anybody especially myself, but anybody at that age that's going through something really hard, I would tell them that sometimes really, really, really tough circumstances can bring about the biggest blessings and the things that you really wouldn't see that kind of change your life forever, but for the better. So I guess just sometimes really hard things bring about really, really, really good things that you wouldn't have had before. <laughs> 